Subcutanean. This is a novel that changes for every new reader. No two copies are ever quite the same. This podcast is an unabridged recording of the version generated by Seed 01893. Chapter 12 I wanted to find my Nico, but this strange alternate urged against it. Impossible, he said, like finding a needle in a haystack, except this haystack went down forever. In the best-case scenario, he explained patiently, we'd wander until our food ran out, and then with the last dregs of energy and luck find our way back up to the surface and out, empty-handed. He didn't mention the worst-case scenario. We argued. He insisted the smartest strategy was for us to retrace my steps to the base of the slide and find a way to climb back up. The closer to the top, the fewer possibilities, he said, the fewer choices, and fewer chances of making the wrong one. When he found out I hadn't actually seen my Nico since we got separated in the shaft, he grew even more convinced. Maybe he's not down here at all. Maybe he caught himself on the way down, like you said, and he's up there now waiting for you, worrying. He gave up convincing me. Or if he's not, he'll realize heading back is the smart option. I know he would, buddy. He tapped his head. Trust me. I couldn't deny this plan made sense, but I felt sick. Too much was wrong. Look, even if I take you back up there, it won't be your world. You can't stay. If you're on the wrong side too long, you start to feel detached. I shuddered without meaning to. Like it's rejecting you. Like antibodies swarming. It'll kill you. He shrugged. You don't know that. I'll risk it. Anything's better than staying down here. It's not just that, I said, feeling like a coward, but I desperately wanted an excuse, a reason he couldn't come back with us. You know about that sick feeling when you're too close to a twin? That's even worse than the headaches. So say we find my Nico and get you both back to the surface. Then what? The two of you get a double on campus, move in together? No, he sighed, impatient. You think I haven't thought through this all the time I've had? You help me get back up, I'm gone. It's a big planet. I've learned how to survive. I'll never get within a hundred miles of either of you again. Wait a minute. I'd had an idea. That sick sensation when you're too close. We can use that to find him. He raised an eyebrow. Okay, maybe you're right, and there's too much space here to find him by dumb luck. But you've got a sixth sense for where he is. You're like a magnet. We can move through that haystack, feeling for tugs. Any twinges, and we steer closer, till we're close enough to do the rest by shouting. You're not listening to me, Orion. He was getting angry. He realized it took a moment to collect himself. There's a lot of space down here, he went on, more reasonably. You have no idea how much space. You're never going to find him. You need to accept that. You'll get us both lost, and I'm sick of being lost, buddy. Fucking sick of it. He had an intensity my Nico never had, though maybe there'd been something like it latent in him, waiting for the right trauma to pull it out like a loose thread. It scared me. He was right. I didn't want to get lost down here either. I didn't want to end up like him. But I also wasn't willing to give up on my Nico. I dug out my keys, held them up. Look, I've been using these to mark my way. There's no chance of getting lost, and I've got plenty of food still for both of us. So we keep searching, keep marking the way, be methodical, map it out. And if the food runs low, my throat felt tight. If that happens, we'll turn back. But I can't give up on him yet. I can't. His eyes narrowed, and I could see him weighing something behind them. But then his face relaxed. A huge smile broke across it, and it was so familiar, so him, that when he threw his arms around me and squeezed me tight, I hugged him back. God damn it, man, you haven't changed at all. Okay. He pulled back, still grinning, and laughed. A real laugh, the one I remembered. Shit, like you'd give me up without a fight. Course not. The fuck we waiting for, then? He hoisted his pack, started down the hall. Come on, man, he shouted back over his shoulder. Let's go find me.
Elder Nico was obsessive about marking our way. I couldn't blame him, so we made slow progress. But despite his initial misgivings, he seemed completely committed now to finding his younger double, even downright cheerful about it. We slipped into something like a rhythm, despite the surreal circumstances. He borrowed a glow stick, the pen light or whatever in his shirt pocket must have been dead, and kept up conversation as he swung it around, peering down all the hallways we passed. Sometimes, for a moment, I'd forget it wasn't him. Then the light would catch the hard-edged crow's feet around his eyes, or he'd ask in nostalgia-tinged tones if I remembered something that happened a week or a month ago, and reality crashed back into me. I suppose from his perspective I was like a long-lost friend at a high school reunion, so as woozy as it made me feel, I could understand this behavior. I thought I could, anyway. The sense that he was keeping something from me, that something was wrong, only grew. He kept asking about the way back up, casually, like making conversation. But he wanted to know what was above the slide, the layout of the rooms before that, which branch I'd taken off the big room to get down here. He was trying to reconstruct the route back out. Maybe this made sense. Maybe he was just curious or hedging his bets in case we got split up like I had with my Nico. But behind the jokes and easy laughter, I sensed calculation, a front, and I had no idea what could be behind it. Now and then I'd ask if he'd gotten any twinges of feeling, hints we were getting close to another Nico. He'd answer right away, nope, nothing, sorry. At one point, annoyed, I demanded he stop for a minute and really try. He put on a show of being abashed, of closing his eyes and concentrating. I could tell it was only an act. He wasn't expecting to find anyone. Like he knew there was no one to find. We'd come to a place of endless ducts and exposed plumbing. Bulky metal curves and protrusions poked from the walls, the bones of water heaters, of central air. The ground was dry, but the room felt hot and moist, dripping all around us. We poked around a space the size of a mansion, cluttered with oddly-sized corners and crannies, finally realizing the whole area was a dead end. There was no other way out. Maybe it's time to turn back, Elder Nico said solemnly when we realized this. We were near the back of the big cluttered space. A smell like rotting leaves wafted from the sharp metal ruins of a boiler that looked like it had ruptured from the inside. The carpet was mottled with rusty blotches, like overlapping pools of dried up blood. Man, it's gonna be hilarious when we find out my younger self's been topside this whole time. Lounging on a blanket in the backyard, you know, under the sky, catching some rays, listening to tunes, waiting for you to get out. He laughed, and his voice echoed strangely off a thousand metal boxes. His face grew more serious. Or maybe he's so lost we'll never find him. Orion, I tried to tell you, this place is too big. He gestured around us, took a deep breath, looked chagrined. It's a lost cause, buddy. I think it's time to give it up. He took a step back toward the door, but I was in his way, bristling, holding my ground. He stopped, looking confused. What's up? I couldn't explain my trembling except for a deep-seated certainty that this was wrong. Everything about it was wrong, just generally, but a specific wrong thing was the way this place had taken Nico from me and done this to him, made him into something I couldn't understand and didn't trust, and suddenly it was too much for me. Some yawning possibility loomed before me, like I was blindfolded on a precipice, about to step forward. But I had to know. Better to fall than keep lingering on the edge. I met his eyes. Tell me. Hmm? Tell me whatever you're not telling me. Tell me what's really going on. I want to know. He frowned. What do you mean? Damn it, stop pretending. Everything is not okay. You're stringing me along, and you need to stop it. Be honest with me. Oh? His expression had started to shift. Something was slipping. Stop playing games. I clenched my fists. Stop using me. Look, we can do this together. You need me to get out of here. Both of you do. 
I know the way back, and I'll help you, but I need to trust you, and you need to trust me, okay? He nodded, looking serious, and bowed his head, then gave himself one final nod, as if coming to a decision. He looked up smiling, stepped forward, and punched me in the throat. I staggered back, pain exploding from my neck, but he stepped forward at the same time, looking bored. He punched me in the face so hard I spun sideways and slammed into the wall, something crunching in my nose, and he kept stepping forward, grabbing my wrists and kicking my feet out from under me. He twisted my arms as I fell so I landed face first, and still he kept moving with me, descending with his knee in my back, so when I hit the ground his full weight slammed down on top of me. He punched me hard in the kidney, twice, grinding my face into the carpet with his other hand, now somehow on my head. My mouth was open, but I couldn't breathe, or scream, or speak, or think for lack of breathing. My throat felt crushed, my lungs paralyzed, pain like a stab wound tore open my side. I couldn't think enough to move my muscles. Never taking his weight off the knee digging into my spine, he pulled something from his bag. I heard a rip, and was so sure it was some part of myself it confused me when I felt no pain. Something sticky wrapped around my wrists, tugging at the hairs on my forearm. Duct tape. And now I did struggle, feebly trying to dislodge him, kicking my legs. Pathetic as a half-squashed bug, twitching, not realizing it's already dead. In moments, he'd bound my ankles, too, and then my knees. It had all taken maybe ten seconds. I tried to make a sound, to beg him to stop, or ask why he was doing this, but all that came out was a coarse rasp, not even a gasp. So I begged with my eyes instead. He met them and laughed. He knew what I was trying to say. It amused him. He frisked me, hands patting my ass, my pockets, my crotch. Gun, he said impatiently. Where's the gun? I had just enough breath back to grunt a word. Dropped. Stupid. He cuffed the back of my head. There's worse things than me down here, and worse me's. He smirked, but his hands had found my back pocket, felt what was inside. They reached in, urgent, and dragged out the key. His breath caught. He bent down and shoved it in my face, suddenly angrier than he'd looked while beating the shit out of me. What's this? How long ago did you find this? My head spun, trying to think of some way to regain control. Couple, I gasped. Hours. Have you used it yet? Gone through? I didn't want to answer his questions, but I couldn't see how lying would help me either. I shook my head. He stood up and punched the wall, leaving his fist in the cracked indentation it made for a long moment. Then he started to pace, furious, thinking. I groaned and rolled partway onto my side. The pain in my kidney was evolving from a stabbing into a roiling, burning sickness, like something inside me boiled, threatened to burst. Breathing felt like forcing air through pipes sealed with rust. My Nico, I rasped, looking for me, won't let you do this. Your Nico's dead, he said and he said it so simply, so matter-of-fact, it sunk into me like another punch. I found him and got rid of him before I found you. I always kill the Nikos first. Makes the headaches go away faster. It felt like the room was dropping, like he'd cut some elevator cable I hadn't known was holding me up. I didn't want to believe him. I fought not to. No, I gasped. Bullshit! He reached distractedly into his shirt pocket and pulled out what I'd thought was a pen light. It wasn't. It was a finger. He tossed it onto the carpet by my face and it rolled once, coming stiffly to rest a few inches from my eye. It was cut through at the knuckle and pale and dead, but more or less the right color. I've killed him hundreds of times, he said, sounding bored again. He was watching me, though, and as he noticed my tears, he gave them a small, sad smile, as if touched by my naivete. And you too, you little bitch. You're even easier. Always freeze up at first. Or if you don't, you try to grab my arm, but... Exactly the same way every time, right? So that makes it simple to break your wrist. 
When you double over whining, it's easy to grab your skull and smash it into the ground until you stop moving. He knelt down, turning his head sideways to study my face, as if curious about the effect his words were having on me. This time's different, though. You're not lost yet. You know the way back. He reached out and tousled my hair, playful rough. And you're going to take me there, Orion. Take me back up, or you're going to die. He stood up again. But this fucking key complicates things. You said you're on the wrong side from your perspective, yeah? I didn't answer. He went on as if I had. That means there's another you who's also found a key. The twin key to this one on the twin side. And if that other you didn't get ambushed by his old bestie, a wicked grin, he'll pop through to this side soon enough. Because you find a key, you're almost certainly only a few hours away from finding its door. I couldn't see how this changed things. Why does that matter? He turned the key over and over in his hand, staring at it. Staying in sync. Wasn't that always our theory? It was like he was asking the key. I think we have to. Buddy, I told a lie earlier. I don't always kill you both right away. Sometimes I ask questions. He scraped a thumbnail along the key. Find out where you've been, what happened before. The ones who have it worst are always the ones who got too out of sync with their doubles. And if they lose it entirely, if things warp too out of true... He made a sucking sound through his teeth, rising to a crescendo and then abruptly cutting off, like a tire popping in reverse. He glanced at me, then back to the key. That's what happened to me. My double and I, we diverged. And something tore, or popped, maybe. Think pairs of soap bubbles floating in infinite void. They need each other to stay stable. Our universes got too far apart and it wasn't good for them. They're gone now, or too far to ever reach. Dark. But yours, he grinned even more broadly, a ripe pair, undamaged, still connected, to each other and to you. You. I can follow you back into them like a thread, like a fucking thread, Orion, up and out and back and into the light. This is the part where, if I was a spy or an action hero, I'd be secretly digging a knife out of my pocket, working my way free of the bonds, taking advantage of the villain's distracted ranting to try to get my freedom. But I wasn't a spy. I was a bio-major. I'd never been in a fight. I was trussed up. I couldn't move. The pain was still excruciating, and I had no idea what to do. As if to reinforce my stupid squandered opportunity, Nico seemed to notice me again. Abruptly, he put the key in his pocket— his front right pocket, I noticed, desperate not to be completely helpless, and dug through my pack. With a satisfied grunt, he pulled out rope and proceeded to tie my hands and lower arms behind my back, so tight my elbows almost touched. My freedom was slipping away. I tried to keep him talking, but I had to clear my throat, heavy. If you, if Nico's dead, my Nico, isn't it too late? How can anything be in sync now? He paid no attention to this, continuing his rope work. When he was done, he wrapped the end a few times around my neck, and fear spiked through me, but then he lifted me gently to a sitting position, leaning against the wall. He went back to the pack and pulled out my flashlight, shaking it. This thing work? I didn't answer. He was already toggling the switch on and off with no effect. He grunted, dug some batteries from his own pack, and slipped them in, nodding in satisfaction as the light came on. Pocketing it, he rummaged through my pack, eyes lighting up when he found my cache of food. He ripped open the wrapper on a power bar and took a huge bite, grunting in satisfaction ignoring me. Nico, I said, trying not to cry. Please let me go. He grimaced, like what I'd said had hurt him, and scooted closer to me, still chewing. 
He grabbed my chin and forced up my head, stared into my eyes with a frown, like he'd lost something in them. I told another little fib earlier, bud, he said, swallowing. Sometimes those houses down there do have power, like I said. Who knows why or where it comes from, but sometimes they do. I kept my eyes on his, hoping to find some empathy or humanity there. He took another bite, chewed more slowly this time. There was nothing in his eyes. Power, he said, mouth half full, but the fridges and pantries and all those houses, they're empty. All of them. There's no food down there, Orion. None at all. I was trembling. I couldn't look away from his eyes. He swallowed again, shoved the last of the bar into his mouth. But you and me, he said, mouth full, other versions. Man, there's so many of us popping up out of all those houses, those millions of houses. Lost, always lost, pathetic, eating all their food, starving out of their minds. They're already dead, really, or a nudge away. He swallowed the last of the power bar, licked his lips and the crumbs off his fingers. Then he leaned forward, slow, like he was going in for a kiss. He stopped, face inches from mine. Wouldn't it be such a waste? He spoke quietly, carefully. His breath smelled of processed figs. Such a shame for all those deaths to be for nothing, to have served no purpose, don't you think? Nico, I begged, wanting it to mean so many things. He touched a finger to my lips. I think you get it. So, we have to find the door this key connects to, yeah? We have to wait for your doubles to come through, yours and your dead friends, swap places with them, pass back to your side, keep things synchronous, and then head up, up, up into the shallows, back to the surface, away from this place forever, and synchronicity can go fuck itself. He stood up, reaching down, and grabbed my shirt, jerking me roughly to my feet and wrapping the end of the rope around his arm. But we better get moving, because your door is going to be farther down from here, and best for both of us if we get to the surface before I get too fucking hungry. He gestured back toward the way out of the jumbled room of metal tubes, mockingly polite. After you, amigo. I hope you're enjoying this audio version of Subcutanean, but this is just one way the story could go. Find out how to get your own unique version by searching for Subcutanean on Twitter, Facebook, Goodreads, or Indiegogo. And thanks for listening. <laughs>